good people of Los Angeles, tonight on the FC, FC, FSA, FSA pod, we've got my man, Marcus. At one time, the creative director of LAFC, now the vice president of creative and branded content. Let's go. Creative and branded content. You've seen so many things he's touched uh, with this club on your phones, on your laptops, in your dreams. Hopefully not in your nightmares. But we cover so many drastically different topics on this pod. We hope you enjoy the ride. We cover everything from fatherhood to Dortmund to what original LAFC logos and marks kind of look like. All the way back to Mezcal, the place where it all started. Slim, hit him with the warning. And as per usual, we are in the backyard of Dweezy's place in Expo Park. We have planes and helicopters flying all over, cars driving by, uh, ambulances today, and of course the Pendleton truck. And as per usual, I got a potty mouth. I'm going to use it. If you're around kids, or at work, or anywhere else, where you think you shouldn't hear cussing, probably shouldn't listen. Motherfucker. Shout out Bodie, though. Hey, oh, shout out to so Trish. Hey. You can't say shout out Bodie right after I say motherfucker, <laughs> dog. This is, how, this is how we are. FCFC. FCFC pod where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. We are your hosts. Sitting across from me is Big Dweez. Yep. To my left, shaved his beard so it looks like baby face. I don't know what the hell is going on. Josh Spice. Thanks, Sam. Uh, I don't know. I, I hate when you refresh your face like that. I'm going through some things right oh. now. This is indeed my face. So thank you for thank you for talking about it so kindly. I love you. And I am your host, Slim. And today we have a very special guest. The 3252 is telling a story, but the person who is the visual author of that story is a guest in the backyard today. We have Mr. Marcus McDougal. Yeah. In the backyard. There it is. We got a little a little Monte Alban on tap on National Tequila Day. And I learned something today. All tequilas are mezcal, but not all mezcals are tea. <laughs> Shameless. <laughs> Marcus, we're hyped no. to have you, man. This has been uh, an exciting journey throughout LAFC, but through it all, we've had just killer content every single week in, week out to kind of update us on what's going on and really form the visual language and the tone of voice that we've all fallen in love with. So i um, glad to have the man behind the curtain here wearing his beanie. Dude, the other thing that I just kind of tripped me out is it's so bright out here. Was when we first started recording, yeah. it was just the dead started. of night. Really? Like, right, yeah. you know, okay. right when we started recording. That's how I always picture it. Yeah. When I hear it, I always picture it being a it, bird in the sky. It'll get there in about yeah. 30, 40 minutes uh-huh. since the summer started. <laughs> this is our first summer in the backyard. I'm mean, hearing a grill in the background. I hope you guys hear the just the sunniness the uh, come through on the pod recording today. <laughs> the sizzle. 
it's no. pretty exciting. And look, man, yeah. you're one of the first people I met in LAFC, like the first yeah. day I ever visited I the Experience that. Center. I remember that. Um, I think for yeah. so many of us, like, we all came into contact with you really early on. And shout out to to uh, Heart of LAFC in the one-on-one series that Jerry does. Go check it he out. He did an interview with you. I think it was yeah. like back in March. Check that out, too. He actually got um, Marcus's last name correct, so you should definitely <laughs> check that out. <laughs> you guys could just, you hey. can just copy and paste that one hey, in. For all you people that are saying <laughs> this feels unscripted, it really fucking is. Flips the script, yeah. homie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, thanks for having me, guys. I... I uh, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. This is like uh, sacred ground back here in this backyard, and uh, we stoked, stoked to that, join you with some mezcal in hand. Yes, sir. Cheers to that. Yeah, cheers yeah. to that. One more time. One more yeah. time. Let's go. Friends in the backyard, right here. One thing I want to hear about: oldest football memory. Doesn't have to be playing. Doesn't have to be watching. Doesn't have to be anything else. That first contact that you can think of with the sport. Yeah. Um, the oldest football memory is a little tough, but I will say I remember why I started playing soccer. Um, I it was I was actually in second grade, and uh, a kid I really admired by the name of Jaime Munoz uh, was playing soccer. He was one of my best friends at the time, and I told my parents uh, if Jaime's playing this game, I want to play this game. Yeah. And so they signed me up for uh, AYSO North Oxnard soccer, and. Uh, yeah, I, I took to it and eventually ended up playing club in Camarillo for Camarillo Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my early introduction to soccer was definitely um, like a pretty domestic experience, you know, as far as um, really enjoying it as a kid through youth soccer. Um, but my stepfather um, who came into my life at around 11 or 12 uh, was from Portsmouth, England. Mm. Ooh, the so, Pompey. Pompey, play a Pompey. So he had a, a sort of a, a, he had a different perspective on it, and it was a much more of a way of life, much more culture for him. Mm. Um, and I, you know, had never been to England and, and uh, had never really been to Portsmouth either. So um, didn't really, when he's describing the experiences in the stadium and the experiences and what it meant, it was still so so foreign to me. Um, but uh, over the years, I've just, you know, grown to love it more and more and, and grown to just become really obsessed with the cultural components of it and uh, the stories that are available um, in such a, a dynamic sport. Um, so, yeah, I feel fortunate to be with a club like LAFC that's a brand new. And I think we're all sort of here, you know, f- for similar reasons and just like the, the excitement around... Um, something new, something fresh in a city we care about. So, Can you talk, I mean, you you have the AYSO kind of start origin point and then you have LAFC to where you are now, but can you talk about some of the, like, the jumping off points that really kind of, um, kind of propelled you towards, you know, learning and loving this game further and further? Uh, I think one of the biggest ones wasn't actually that long ago. Um, it was uh, Brazil. Brazil the World me. Cup. The World Cup mm. in Whoa. Brazil was a really, it was it was a profound moment because it was the first time I traveled internationally for, for football uh-huh. and um, got to watch games, catch games in every single atmosphere um, and realized that as much as I was fighting to buy tickets and get into stadiums, mm-hmm. that I started to enjoy games in places, like in the most odd places, more than I was even in the stadium. Mm. Um, and that's when I realized, okay, this is... This is 
this is something that I could literally do for the rest of my life. So, yeah. Where were you catching games? Was it bars or kind of outdoor viewing areas? The crazy, What's going on? The crazy thing is, so like anytime Salazar Brazil plays, anytime they take the the national team takes the field, it's a national holiday, and so you the, while they're playing, aside from like. Um, service jobs like restaurants and mm. bars yeah. everything is closed wow. so I remember specifically one day we were in a rush and it was chilly uh, sorry Pat uh, Brazil because it went to penalties <laughs> and we were late because we weren't planning of course we were like our we were trying to catch a bus so that we could catch a plane to our next, next destination and me and a couple of friends were running through the streets and there was nobody on the streets we were the only fools not watching the game um, and we're running to get to the bus stop, but we would stop and pull up to whatever <laughs> building was right there because you could see everybody kind of facing the door. There's usually a TV above the door, and so yeah. the reactions would be crazy, and we'd run over and just pop in, and it would be like a pharmacy, and there's just people watching the game. Or there's like a donut shop, a bread shop. We pop in, and everybody is watching the game, and it's just like, it's just... It's, fascinating man there's this market actually in in Bega in Belo Horizonte um, and it's like the city's known for this giant market uh, it's an indoor market but it feels almost like an outdoor market and I have a picture of a dude shearing it like shaving a dog and it's like this this little um, you know they sell sell dogs there sell some farm animals there it's like <laughs> might as well be like this petting zoo almost and there's a TV Right there, like <laughs> that, like lean to on the top of a couple of cages. I mean, that's just how Yo, embedded it is. So it's it's cool. Man. But that trip to Brazil, even when games weren't on, <coughs> did you feel like just that football culture was just seeping through all facets oh, of life? Yeah. Did you did you get that sense of just almost <laughs> like the religiosity of the game there? I did. I, the interesting thing is, like, that's the kind of the dichotomy. I did, and, and at the same time, I didn't. I, I realized, like, as much as it was seeping through the veins of people, for instance, when they, they use the term chocolash, it's chocolate. It's basically shit, right? Like, if a team is playing bad, chocolash. <laughs> that game against Germany, I watched grown men cry. I watched young kids laugh and, like, not care. I watched, you know, like, so many emotions because that's just who we are as people. Some people are more invested and they wear their emotions on their sleeves and some people, you know, are less invested. But I will say that, like, the access to the game and the access to the culture is everywhere. And, like, Cuatro Bola, like, playing football in the streets, um, it, it was super, super fun, so much fun. I just think, to your point, I think to your question, I think it is on a whole other level there like I've never seen anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are other things going on in Brazil. So, one of my darkest football memories took place in Rio when I was living there, and like oh, where, where you were in Rio? Uh -huh. Where? I was Dark in, Duiz. Well, Oof. yeah, this is Dark Duiz. I was up, up above Santa Teresa. Oh yeah, like in this in weird, Teresa. in this weird like, I don't even know. Like we took a combi to get up there for the first. Uh, like three or four months and then like the next three or four we were down in Botafogo. Okay. It's um, like the Echo Park Silver Lake of, of, of uh, Rio for all y'all who don't know. Yeah. And so, as, as for little visual cues for the, our listeners, Dweez is leaning back in his chair very confidently with his arm, <laughs> arm hips over here just speaking Portuguese yeah. about where he's lived in the past. So this is just a little, little context. No, like, I mean, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> you got to talk about Brazil. Yeah, yeah, like, no, I'm no, not going to get go in on, the mix. Right. I just want to tell people so, that we have our receipts, man. We're here. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I fell in love with a team called Vasco da Gama while I was living there. Okay. Vasco Gigama. 
<laughs> a lot of my best South American football memories. Uh, I went back for 2014, but this was back in uh, 08 and 09. Okay. And Vasco was one of two teams that had never been relegated from the first division in Brazil. And they were just, they had a really difficult year. Flamengo, their biggest rival, is the only other team that hadn't been relegated. Those are two of the big four teams in Rio. Um, but I went to the game that they needed to win. At home or what? It was, it was at home. It was at the San Januario. And uh, it's, it's kind of like across the freeway from the Maracanã. Okay. It was the biggest stadium in Brazil until the Maracanã got built. Really? Yeah. And it was it's like really old and it just has these big concrete steps. And I think there's probably some premium areas it's that I know. It's not across saw. the bridge. It's across the freeway. It's, it's across. It's to the east. Okay. To but the, it's close. To the it's north. still on It's pretty that. close. It's still on that You could probably day. walk. I just don't know if you'd survive the walk, you know. <laughs> it's not, it's not, uh, it's yeah. up near like Manguera, gotcha. kind of, like the Samba School, Manguera, and like that, that favela area. So, um, long story short, they get relegated. And immediately, like, as that happened, right the choppers started coming to the stadium, just like they come to our conversation right now. And it's just like, Look, when there's when there's like football fans who hate each other and they're like fighting each other, you sort of know the dynamic. But when like it's just utter despair and like chaos and people don't know what to do with their emotions, don't know where to put them. Yeah. I I mean I imagine in a way I wasn't I actually had landed the day that uh, Brazil played Germany, so I saw that game from Tompkins Square right by LAX. Gotcha. Um, so I had already come home from from my trip to the World Cup, but I imagine it might have been similar. Yeah. The only difference was that like. This was like, you know, like a hundred something years and this was like this more yeah. isolated Brazilian experience. But there was like guys on the rooftop like threatening to kill themselves. There was like a ton, there was like these stampedes that happened like where we had to duck into the bathroom and there was like women and children like screaming and like just someone jumping up on the sink because there was just like the mobs of people were that much. And there was like, you know, all the, the Garda, like the, the police with like all the gear, like, like pushing people out of the way and like clearing it and just like, yeah, yeah. And then for like Jeez. days afterwards, it was just, I mean, half the city's like laughing at them, right? Yeah. And then ha anyone who's like a Vasco fan was just like wandering the streets with like their arms up in like total despair and like no one wanted to wear like the, the, the Cruz de Malta, like the, 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 the ashes shit. It's like the, that club is like the Portuguese associated club um, in Brazil. It's There's got like the ship and the yeah. cross. And uh -huh. the, yeah. So if you've ever seen that, that Cruz de Malta, which I think also is like weird white power symbols sometimes <laughs> oh, in the US. So what? like there was a time when yeah. I brought brought the jersey back no and I was wearing it and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh wait a second. This yeah. is like suddenly a whole different context. I better yeah. beware. Yeah. Um it's like the Celtic cross. It's tricky. But but in terms of the religiosity of like football in Brazil, I remembered yeah. I just remembered like that that was the big moment that stuck out for me was and like yeah, I don't know. I've said this before, I think even on this podcast, but like the Selexao is so important and yet it's like distant, I think, yeah. for some Brazilians. Sure. Because because it's always been like this orb of things. But I feel like those people who do support clubs like support sure. them a lot harder, at least in Brazil, than they sometimes do the national team. Yeah. I won't yeah. say wholesale, but like you know, a lot of the times I You know saw what? It. But I would say I would say that that carries over even if I think about here. You mm -hmm. know, just the the level of the more you go from sort of this like 30,000 foot global, you know, national team view to like local, there's a sense of, I hate to use the word tribalism because it's often used negatively, but 
there's a sense of pride that's stronger the closer to home you get. Yeah. Um, and sure, even in a city like Rio, where you've got, you know, that many teams, it's like if you're repping Vasco, you're representing your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And, and right, so right. It, it, that really cuts. Yeah. Dude, but there were so many, like, weird little symbolic things there, like, at, like, funk concerts, like ballet funk ballet concerts. Funky. They would have, uh, they would have, like, symbols. You'd do different symbols for the team that you supported. Oh, like, there's four different symbols for the four main teams. Botafogo, if I remember right, was the diamond. Mm. The rock The nation. rock. <laughs> Flamingo was the crossed hammers. Degeneration X. <laughs> Fluminense. Fluminense was, oh, shoot. Oh, it was Fluminense. Fluminense is, like, the... Sort of the reputation. These are all generalizations, people. You don't come to the pod for the truth. Um, uh, it, it's like the rich people's club. Yeah. Um, and this one, the money, was, money sign up. Yeah, What's maybe they're on? just yeah, maybe pinkies. Up. No, it's, I can't think of that one. And that was the one that like people would make fun of. But Vasco's were like it's sort of like the fucking like some ways like the trailer park reaction. I think it's like the same as Flamengo, their biggest rival, but then the middle fingers. Up. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you could go to like a ballet funk yeah. concert and like either the the guy the guy who was singing or someone on stage would yeah. make his sign and then everyone would make their own individual signs. Yeah. And there wasn't like too much too much like beef like in the midst of the concert over like the support, but it was like weird how symbols had like crept yeah. in, even like. As simply as that, yeah. like it cre- has crept into like gang daily signs, life. To be <laughs> I mean, yeah, from yes. the land of where gang signs started. I'm just saying that was kind of trash. <laughs> hey man, that's that's what it was. Most but people when it comes. What to I'm that. wondering is like you guys just kind of told two stories of losses from Brazilian fans, and we we kind of romanticize the despair because it shows you how important it is to their culture, right? And the mm-hmm. the line I'm always walking here is just like how important is this thing that is one of the most important things in my life and how do we not let it get to a level where it, it is the multi-day, multi-week, like it sticks with you because the grieving? I, yeah, the, gr- the, yeah, the <laughs> grieving What's for so the What's so bad club. about grieving? When it gets, when it crosses the line, right? I think we all know when the, uh, maybe we don't know. Maybe that's the, that's the kind of maybe muddy we line we're know. talking about. Mm-hmm. And because we're trying to rally our troops and really take this thing so seriously. Mm-hmm. But I remember even when, um, like let's say like last year when we lost this all day, like we were the our leaders were the first ones to send a message being like, Hey, we love you all. Like remember this is a game. Like this is so important to us, but th- this is like it's gonna be better. Like we're gonna have another day coming up. So that kind of is, is a wrestling match for me in my head to be like, right. how do I position this? Because I position it constantly as one of the most important things in my life. It is life or death in a lot of different ways. And so how do we save this thing from becoming too far gone, you know? Hmm. I have I have a response. I don't know if you want to go, go first. For it. So, what I've noticed, at least in the North End, is like you talk to different people, and you're going to get way different reactions to losses. Sure. Yeah. Certain people aren't as invested in the sporting side. Like, I would say to an extent that I didn't even know it was possible. Yeah. Like, I didn't know you could enjoy all of this as much. Like, we all we love this game, right? And like, like you and I, we have been playing since we were kids. Like, we both played at like different competitive levels. So the, the sporting side of it will always, like, you know, be f- fascinating to me. Um, but for so many people that I've met, especially, like, newer supporters, people newer to the game, they, like, couldn't really be bothered sure. about it. And sure, they get excited when everyone else is excited, and they, like, probably love riding the waves. Yeah, yeah. But I suspect that, like, I remember, um, shout out to Albert from Black Army up in Portland last year, not, mm. not this year. I, like, remember talking to him about, like, what he thought the prediction, the score predictions was, and he was like, I don't care. Yeah. 
And I was like, Albert's and so at fucking first, wise, man. You know, but at the first beard. I was like, that's kind of weird. And then I was like, that's actually the coolest shit of all time. Yeah. Because like, he's like, I'm gonna, he's like, I, I forget what else he had said and I had written it down, but um, he was like already gonna have the best weekend. Yeah. And they did end up losing. And they did end up having a better time. Sure. And people still, you know, I know that when LAFC went this year to Portland, it was like a much more celebrated occasion because they had won in this really big match. But last year they had lost, and they still received like so many plaudits from like Portland fans who were like straight up lining up outside yeah. to give the supporters around because everyone was singing, going nuts. Sure, still sure. after the loss, right? Yeah, yeah. And this whole like in in las buenas y malas, that whole idea. Yeah. Um, what does that I, mean? In, in, the in, in, in the good and the bad, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it means. Yeah. There's, there might be some there might listeners be, yeah. that don't no, know. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, so. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, I think in, in LAFC's terms and like this intensity of loving it, I think it's sort of like a person-to-person basis how for you sure. deal with that. For sure. And for me, like in the enduring, like the the, the tighter, yeah. stickier moments for yeah. for at least for this team, I don't feel the same way about Arsenal for whatever reason. I'm like definitely going through it a little bit. But like after it's over, it's sort of really easy to contextualize. Yeah. And and like Sometimes there have been times where the results like didn't go our way, and I actually thought it was beneficial to the team. So, but maybe I'm too close to it. No, I think it's interesting that you say that, especially as you bring up sort of contextualize it with your relationship to Arsenal, because I think, at least for me personally, um, there's something so much more. It's I, when I think of Arsenal, I'm a mess game club. It's more than a club. It's more than sport. It's more than the transaction of wins and losses. Mm. And so Albert being able to go up there being like, dude, this is going to be the dopest weekend, whether we win or whether we lose, because one, I'm out on the road, I'm traveling, you know, taking in a, a different city. Right. Two, I'm surrounded by people that, I, that share the passion and I love and care about. And that's all you need, right? So then and then you get the win on top of that and it's icing on the cake, but at the end of the day, you're still enjoying yourself. Yeah, and I, and I think like a, an experience after a win, even though that like first part might be fun, something like stupid still might happen and you might not have as good of a time as you might in a loss, where you might end up having like a better time than after the win just based on like the way people react. So in other words, like it can't, right. the result can't, can't or doesn't seem to have as big of a sway as it has had in other sports that I had seen before, including, like, in Brazil, where maybe it's, like, rooted and started in a different way or it wasn't about, like, people coming together after. Sure. Like, think, maybe that's what it is. Like, before LAFC, like, this aspect of community was something I hadn't felt in Los Angeles quite mm -hmm. the same, apart from, like, little tiny hints of it, like, at things like low in theory. But now that it exists, we had, like, been drawn to it, so we knew what life was like before, so we are just, like, psyched to still, for that to still exist, at yeah. least for me. Right. Um, whereas, like, in Brazil, I mean, they're part of a generations after generations after generations of people who just support a team. They probably don't even, like, realize, or and in some ways, the community part of it isn't as big of a deal, in some ways. Or it's a different mm. kind of deal. Or it's a deal that's gone on for much more time. And has a different that, function. But it's like, we talk about the loss of Germany, and that is... The community, the entire Brazilian community around the country itself, right? Yeah. And so there, I think there is aspects of the community there. I think there's still, even with in in regards to all the beautiful things that community can bring, and that it's not a complete wash if you lose. I think nothing is more of an emotional swing than the the wins or loss of the game, right? I think that's still sure. still at the end of the day, that's that's the that's a period. Even if you have a but, I've heard that Brazilian national team support isn't as strong because of 
I think because people support their clubs so strong that they and don't it, really come together as and much. And it's a little bit like America in the sense of the size of the country. Mm-hmm. And, like, different parts of that country behave differently towards this sport. Mm. And, I mean, like, these are all, like, very distant observations of, like, not even a full year that I had lived there or whatever. Um, but, you know, and, and different countries, you could probably, like, bring up different examples of that. But I don't think, like, nationalism functions the same way as, like, community functions. Sure. Mm-hmm. And the immediacy, like you were saying before, like, the closer and closer it gets to your home, your, your like, neighborhood, the bigger and bigger deal it is. Yeah. Versus, like, you know, a national team, yeah, like, everyone feels it. And I'm sure some people felt it very deeply that day, and it was, like, a really dark, like, sad day, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think the um, only national team that I hear that has that mentality of win or lose, you know, we're turning up, is Mexico. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just so happen to have a lot of Mexican supporters and yeah. know, then, so... Yeah, truth. It, you know, it kind of... It does help, but I still go home and I'm sad. You love sports. And I think part of it is also like, Josh, you come from a place like you love, you've had, I don't know if it's quite the same as for LFC, but you've had like these sorts of like deep sports feelings for other teams and other sports. Yeah, sports. let's Knicks. go Knicks. Let's go Knicks, baby. Knicks. And maybe, <laughs> Knicks tape, baby. And maybe. Carmelo coming back. Mm. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you talk about them, it's so sad. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I love how much Always. you enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, I think it's in there. It's just, uh, man, it's strange because I feel like I want to. I'm affected by it, but I want to keep a level head because I feel like I am. I can keep a level head for other people and like make sure that mm. it's. Let's get the priorities across, like your safeties first, you know, and things like that. But also, I, I you know meeting like Julio and Ray and like they and they post that thing all the time when they, when um, people are like crying, like their D9 guys are crying. It's like if you're not one of us, you will never understand, right? And. I think there's there's a beauty in that of, of of the tears that come after the game or after something and but it's just like how do we mitigate that with safe living you know and is that possible you know at the end of the day right well and and if we think about just the spectrum spectrum of emotions like certain people tend to be less of a roller coaster and a little bit more in the middle and sort yeah. of live there and some people tend to have higher highs and lower lows and like the the I think cultural judgment often is that the lows are bad, right? The Mm. lows are to be avoided, but the reality is that it is a spectrum of the human experience that is extremely valuable. Hell yeah. I think Um, bad things are good things. Yeah. I think feeling things are good. It's like good to go through experiences. It's bad to to try to block things either way. Some people block happiness the same way that other people block sadness. And they just sort of like... I mean, and even shout out, shout out, right. <laughs> shout out North End photographers who got the picture of um, Mo and Julio hugging Tyler Miller after the, after yeah. that game last year, yeah. and just like it's beautiful. There was something really beautiful and powerful that came out yeah. of that, and like I've seen goalies get pelted with stuff after yeah. after yeah. a loss, and our guys, like two of the most visible leaders, embrace embrace our goalie after that. And so yeah. there is, I think we are we are taking taking a really good road on it, yeah. and just. Just making sure that we maintain that, especially as our our culture and our history continue to grow through that. Yeah. You know? I mean, if, if we're, we're big enough D9, I'm going to go all the way and share a moment of last season after the first ever uh, L.A. Derby in Carson, that stunning come from behind 4-3 Thing that we all we all know. Oh, we're really after the game. I, I had to I had to file Jeez. stories. I, I come on, and this is what happened. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're talking, we're yeah. talking about take all of our burdens, Marcus. This is what we're we talking need. about despair, right? So, 
after that game was over, I had to file my stories real quick, and then a couple of the, the roommates were down there, and they waited for me until afterwards, so we left a couple hours after the game. We went straight to Banditos, because that was, like, where everyone yeah. was going to go, right? Yeah. There's no one at Banditos. I hit up, like, you know, various people after the game to try yeah. to meet up with people. Nobody, nobody was doing nothing. Everybody went home. I hit up Julio, and he's like, yeah, we're up on, I forget, the, the bar on Washington, uh, not far from here. Mm-hmm. Come through. And I go through, and we had this whole conversation. He's like, yeah, man, people got to learn how to win. People got to learn how to lose. There was, a, there was a big group of them. We had, like, great, great afternoon, evening, and yeah. talking. And, like, my roommates who were kind of newer to football culture, I was sort of introducing them to it, they were just, like, completely stunned. Like, how can someone be like this, you know? And, like, so, like, shout out to the, that contribution, that idea that in Las Buenas y Malas, like, I, I think that that's like a really good attitude to have towards life in general, yeah. like yeah. straight yeah. up. I mean, like things go wrong. Things like will inevitably go wrong. Yeah. Like it's it built into the human experience. 100%. So if you don't have a way, or if if you if you if things become so devastating, I don't think I don't think your level of devastation is necessarily equivalent to your level of how much you care about something or how dedicated you are. Okay. To it. So like unpack that. Unpack that for me. I just, I just think that like just because you're more upset, like one person's more upset and is like throwing a conniption fit. Like some people are not just fucking dramatic. Some, exactly, and that's sort of what Marcus was just talking about. Like, but should we not levels. be dramatic about the things you that can, we love? You right? can be dramatic. Yeah. You can be dramatic. You can be everything. Far be it from Koreans to not be a little dramatic. Yeah, come guys. on, we are. But there's this there's this idea that I don't know who said it, but comparison is the root of all unhappiness, right? So the idea that I should look to the person to my left and to my right and compare the way that I experience mm. something, mm. Yeah. try to contextualize whether I'm doing it right or enough or not enough, right, I think, right. is probably a bigger issue than just people feeling the way they feel expressing. As long as it's within a safe, you know, yeah. in, a, in a safe way and it doesn't right, right. harm physically, harm other people, uh, do you, you know? That's wild, man. I, and um, going to get a little morbid here, but I just watched that <laughs> I, I, just watched, I knew you've got something in yeah, there. I, I looked at Josh's I'm just eyes. Like, I'm just like, my eyes are buzzing, just like, dude. <laughs> it's just like... Shout, yeah. out, shout out Aquafina and Lulu Wang's um, Farewell, where they talk about the grieving process and death. And they were talking about there's an Asian tradition where, um, as some, because it's such an honor, honor-based society, that they will hire professional grievers to, to yeah. show you the tone of how how the at least at least a maximal output of what it should look like right and the more the more the more boisterous you get is the more respect for the dead you have right and so mm. and the, so that that's in there as well but it's just like man it's even even in that it's like there's so many different ways and I just heard a different podcast talking about like there's a whole um, Tumblr or not Tumblr anymore but I guess an IG hashtag following where it's like selfies at funerals and um, it's about people who take Jesus. selfies at funerals, and then yeah. the, and then so like all the entire podcast, including the people listening, to myself was like, "What the fuck? That's so disrespectful!" And yeah. then the guy was like a psychologist, whatever, and he was just like, "Hey, man, if this is how they deal with their grief and they needs help at this time, like who are we to say that that's incorrect?" You know. Mm-hmm. And while I still have my principles and be like, I would never do that, and maybe yeah. I would shit on the person who was doing that in front of me, like. Yeah. There's something. There's something about what you said, where it's like, let's not look to the left and right. Maybe with social media and and um, selfies, that's different because I guess you're looking to the world and that. But yeah, there is something about like you, you react and you emote in the way that you are feeling, mm-hmm. authentically to you, not to the left or right of you. Yeah, it's 
but that thing maybe it's just more of my 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 community collectivist mentality but it's like man we we demand so much of us together Mm -hmm. working on something together that i want to kind of and maybe that's unfair of me but i want to see us React in a, in a similar manner to, to one another. You know, it's just it's because we we unified sing the same songs. unified reactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's that's. But what do that. you want the unified reaction? Yeah, that's so Asian. Yeah, it's, it's so Asian. Asian. It's straight up Asian, man. What do you want the unified Shout reaction? Shout out, Papa Confusion, yeah. bro. <laughs> like with the them and their little styrofoam sticks going hard oh, at the Starcraft man. fucking tournaments, bro. And you don't know. I mean, this is us, us Korean supporters. Like we've had to take moral victories for a long time and being like how hard did the boys fight for us to get like that 2-0 loss you know and so we're used to this side of it yeah of of losing and like taking some 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 silver lining from that but it's like i don't know like when we this is the one part where i'm like i think it works so well with like even like la culture because like you mix all these people with like different backgrounds and at the same time you we are going at it the same way at least in the north end that's why i can say speak for the north end yeah and at the same time, going in it, I mean, that's the beauty of this soup that we have, right? And all the flavors in it is that we are sometimes going in it in the same way, and there is a bit of, uh, of, of parody or similarity there. But at the same time, there's so many different ways to express. We even hear it um, in, in the variety of chants that we have, we, in, the, mm. in the way that you know, different smaller groups tend to celebrate, whether it's more of a Barra Brava style or a little bit more of like an EPL supporter style Mm -hmm. um, call and response, there's definitely this variety that I think is just so, so LA. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty well. Cause like, you're right. Even within the unified front, the diversity within that gives you, I guess it does open a door for people to react differently. So thank you, Marcus, for blowing my thesis out of the water. But, um, yeah, that's pretty well. Hey, we come on the pod to learn things. Yeah. We, we bring all you people over here to teach us something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know less now than I've ever known before, and I blame everyone who's come less on the podcast. Than that's beautiful, man. Yeah. Like, you know where you know where we stay. We're in Expo Park. We do the same thing every week. But we're just, uh, our minds are blown every weekend by, by, by someone new, so it's uh, respect that, dude. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get back with a little more from Marcus. Cool. Here. here with FCFC Pod, uh, we're talking to LFC Marcus, creative director of LFC. Uh, most most of our listeners might be familiar with Marcus with um, a big ass camera rig on his uh, on his shoulders as he's walking through match day with a blue penny on. But um, we want to get into kind of some of the the inspo material. This is official outer space time with Marcus right now. Space about... is the place. Shout oh. out to all my Sunra heads out there. Jeez. I saw a 95-year-old man tear down the stage the other night. What? All right, that's all I'm saying. Sunra, Sunra on the orchestra. Playing? Not Sunra the man himself, but one of the gentlemen who was in his gotcha. band since the 50s. Gotcha. She was leading the band. He's 95, dude. Wow. She was crazy. Yeah. So you got to gotta top that. You got to top that. Shout out to Daniel. A guy, a guy I met, LAFC guy, who was there, and he was like, yo, man, I'm a fan of the pod. I'm oh, like, yeah. at Sun Ra? Hey. <laughs> yo, when we made it to the Sun Ra show, our job here is done. This is the last pod. Thank you guys for listening. Hey, all right, kidding. cool. <laughs> Sorry to commandeer things like that, but no, you guys know dude. how I do. Yeah, Back to inspiration. You. Inspo. Um, 
much. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, I spend a lot of time listening uh, to books because I have a hour and 15 minute drive each way to work. Live in Long Beach. Um, so, of late, uh, I just am uh, reading this book actually called Dancing in the Streets. It's a, a history of collective joy, which is pretty fascinating. It's like, wow. basically, you know, the. We just talked about collective despair, and now we're going to go collective joy. So yeah. This is right, right down our alley. This you, is what we do on the podcast. Yeah. Big yeah. pendulum swings. It's a uh, shout out to, um, to LAFC Rich for this one. Um, Ooh, is he a book listener? Yeah. Oh, in yeah. the car? Oh, yeah. Um, but this one is interesting because it's really uh, from a from a sort of a cultural anthropology standpoint why we um, why and we we why we commune and in, in, in ways in which throughout history we've utilized that communion to overcome things. Um, that sounds like a perfect rich book. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. It's like it's straight up church rich book for sure. Church um, rich. The Culture Code is another one uh, that I've been reading. I, mm. I try to read a lot of books that, because my position is like fairly administrative as well, like I, I, and it's a, a part of my <coughs> development that that um, is a little less natural. Like I definitely, as a creative, um, used to spending a lot of time in the Adobe Suite and like head down going. The little uh, last time. Um, sort of developing other people. So I've been trying to read a lot of books that inform me as to the best practices and best ways to inspire people and, and get people going. Um, what are some of the gems that you, you picked up from these books to, to do to do as such? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, we're, we're sort of in this transitionary period uh, generationally where, you know, pardon the, the term, I know people have taken this the wrong way in the past, but as, as it, per, it pertains to LAFC, but millennials, okay, oh. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it right here, um, uh, we don't like to be categorized, nobody likes to be categorized, but the reality is that you were born at some point and um, your age does play a factor into the cultural things that you consume. Okay. Um, so, but one of the things is that the actual traditional hierarchy is less, at least especially in America, um, in, a, in, a, in a workplace is, is um, less um, relevant to the way that uh, someone my age will um, react to someone. And so for instance, it's like, yes, you may be my boss, but that doesn't mean you're my leader. Okay. And the idea of a, like forcing you know, that notion down someone's throat just doesn't work in, in, in this day and age, mm -hmm. especially with creatives. So how do I inspire you um, lightly and help guide you without trying to force you to, to do things a certain way? Right. And I think a big part of that is having the right people who have the right inclinations and then in like really guiding them to the aesthetic principles that really speak to the club. But again, that's storytelling. That is me convincing you that this is where we should head as a brand, not that this is the only way things should go. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really, that's 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 a big part of it. Well, and we've talked, in, I mean, me and you have talked in the past about how many different kind of looks and feels there are with the people you hire and like they're talented in different things and videography and even editing about what they bring to the table but you 
or the person to, to make sure that it is a consistent voice in that. So like, what do you tell someone who's, you know, very gifted in an area that maybe that you're, you're not even, you're not even like, that's not your, that's not your, your prime approach. And then you tell them how, how do you get them to buy into, to kind of what, what you're thinking about? Um, I think first of all, it's having the own, my own personal conviction, mm -hmm. right? Actually believing um, that uh, an aesthetic element is relevant to our culture, relevant to our brand and the way not only we see ourselves today or maybe yesterday, but where we're heading. Yeah. Um, and so, um, for instance, an example is the first season, I think you'll notice that things were a little bit cleaner, a little crisper. Um, this season, you're starting to, you've probably noticed a little bit more patina on things, a little mm. bit more texture. Mm. Um, the notion there is, is just, um, and I, I shared this on Jerry's pod as well, but the notion there is that, you know, we've had some some bumps and bruises, and now we're adding a little bit of history, a little bit of a, mm. a, a, a patina to um, the visuals that we're creating. Um, so, you know, that that is like something that is subtle um, and nuanced, but if done right, hopefully makes people feel the content um, as actually having a little bit of pre-baked history. Mm -hmm. as, as someone who's like now also welcoming new people to the LAFC universe, like the staff might be growing, maybe some people are leaving to do other things because they've been balling out at LAFC and everybody in the world wants to hire <laughs> you. Um, in a similar way that supporters have to deal with new supporters coming in sure. and maybe new groups that emerge like what are the challenges in sort of instituting like the LAFC way after this thing has now become such a bigger thing where before it was all people buying into sure. like the potential and in it for the right reasons and it was probably much easier to suss out you know versus now or someone coming to this might just see it as like a springboard and they might not totally get it or be about it yeah well I think that's our job in the hiring process to make sure that they're here for the right reasons um, this culture is so so valuable and so important to protect and I'm sure it's the same way with the North End as, as a matter of fact I, I know it is as far as groups that are developing is that um, you know you do gotta you know prove it how much, you know, Rich's question, why LAFC, I think is a, is a perfect one. I've heard a thousand different answers to that, and I think it speaks to, you know, even on the spot, you know, improvisationally, even if someone's caught up and nervous and doesn't have the best answer, I think the way that they present themselves in that question is, is a good measure of, of the reasons they want to work for the club. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, I mean, I think especially when it comes to creative, you got to have the chops. And I, and I don't mean just the chops to, you know, to, to, to work in a different market in the league. I mean the chops to really, really compete here in L.A. because our aesthetic barometers are, like, pretty sharp. They're pretty tops. Uh, there's only a couple of markets in the U.S. that are as, is, um, you know, I would say tasteful creatively as LA is and our expectations. So, um, as it comes to video, like there's a lot of talent here. It's, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really and a lot of times we do chemistry tests. You know, mm -hmm. um, shoot Ahmad when Ahmad and I first met, it was probably a year after Ahmad and I first met that he actually came on to work for us, and we spent a lot of time in that year mm -hmm. uh, together. So. Um, when the timing was right and, and we knew we could we had the space to bring it bring him on it was a given like, mm -hmm. 
You just knew he worked. He was a part of the family by then. Mm -hmm. We don't have the leisure to do that as often now as we're really moving a lot faster as we did early, but um, I think we've got, so far, been pretty successful. In the same vein of like inspiration, and this is like something that I run into in my personal life a lot, when you're doing so many projects all the time, yeah. in your case, there's so many games, there's so many different types of content that's coming out all sure. the time. Apart from these drives an hour and a half each way to Long Beach, like where do you find spaces to like look at something different, look at something in a new way, <coughs> open a different door, being as busy as you must be? It's interesting. I do um, when I have time with my daughter. So she's a, a year and four months old. Uh, now, uh, shout out to Bodie Rose McDougal. Yeah, 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 yeah. We know you listen yeah. to the pod. <laughs> um, but cover your ears. Yeah, yeah. it's not kid friendly here. <laughs> um, but she, so spending time with her and like seeing her absorb things for the first time, mm -hmm. um, and not only that, but f f being forced to be present and actually, you know, spend time with her. She'll get bored super quick, and and I. I try to be a good dad, sometimes I catch myself on my phone, but the reality is that fortunately she lets me know and I put that phone down and we spend time and we're present together and I feel like just sort of renewed in that. And then also I have a responsibility to like get her out there and to see things. It would be so easy for me to just stay on the couch and to, and to keep her at home, but any day I have off that I have her the whole day, we're going somewhere. Um, and so I'm seeing things in my backyard, I'm seeing things around LA that, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Mm. We went to um, Contact High. Have you, you guys seen that show oh, yet? I've been meaning to I go forever. Man. Okay, Jeez, so okay. That, that was her first, her first uh, gallery show. Oh, wait, how old that's, is she again? Yeah, that's she's a year a good, and four months. Yo. That's, that's a good, that she's, needs to be in whatever memory book that exists. She needs to have that as like the thing she tells people. Oh, she's got, got some, my first one? So she's good. got some photos too. As a matter of fact, so the first album that she ever heard, and this is probably not that appropriate, but this Jesus. is just no, the sorry. reality um, of putting on some headphones at an exhibit like Contact High, being it's the history of hip hop through photography, um, was uh, uh, they had a Slick Rick album. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Ricky, Uncle Ricky, yeah. tell me a bedtime story. Here we go. <laughs> so that was that was the yeah. We put the head, and she was obsessed with the headphones. She was obsessed with music in her ears. Mm. And I tried to at one point I'm like, okay, I don't know what song is even playing right now. Maybe this is inappropriate. Try to take it. She lose starts losing her mind. She wants those headphones. Yeah. So I leave them on her, and she's just sitting there with this look, just like this is oh, wild. Man. The Adventures of Slick Rick. Yes. Wow. The first album she's ever heard. Yeah. Contact High. Yeah. Yo, man, you're telling me that all I had to do all this time to go to see Contact High when I see the freaking banners every day for me and it goes, I just got to have a daughter yeah, and then I'll go it. to a Contact High? That's it. That's oh, the way okay. it works. Or all having daughters. No, this is the first, yeah. this is kind of the first time, like, low-key that I've heard parenting be, like, a boon to creativity. Oftentimes, like, in my it mind, maybe right. I hear people just talk about, like, how busy it is to be a parent, but, like, I could see the ways in which the phone example is a great example like a kid demanding your attention, you can't really be multitasking yeah. as much as you probably think you could. Um, a lot of your concentration has to go there. And what I find is like, in terms of inspiration and creativity, the most important thing is the spaces for it. Sure. Like it's so hard for it to enter if you're constantly absorbing other information or 
outputting other things. But sure. these moments that you're describing sound exactly like the type of, you know, it's like taking a walk. They're purely present. Yeah. They're purely present. There is nothing going on. It's me and it's her. And on, on good days, it's me, her, and my wife. Um, we Our schedules are kind of crazy, so. Um, but, you know, that is something that's really rejuvenating. And then when I come back in, I'm also constantly digging because like, she inspires me to be a better person. So I do read a lot of development books, self-help yeah. books, I do, I do. Um, but um, yeah, I find I find a level of energy now that I actually would say I probably didn't have over the past three years. Interesting. Um, yeah, and my wife's really good about it too. Sometimes there's shows that you know I can't necessarily bring her out to, um, but um, we, we we trade off and, and uh, you know I, I, I hustle hustle to to stay inspired. So I mean, this is I think down that down that kind of same line of you taking your daughter to contact tie like let's say if your daughter had a completely fully formed mind at this age right and like what else would you want to show her like what else would you want to like like yeah, take her make, to and be a part of yeah you know? how do you make decisions on like what things what to filter yeah. right yeah, like yeah, yeah. as a surrogate <laughs> early experiences and what she should or shouldn't experience you're like loading you the, you're you're loading the mainframe right yeah, now yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, putting yeah. all the totally this totally. is the formative stuff right yeah yeah no it's a good point i mean um we purposely keep the TV off at home as much as possible mm -hmm. when she's around. Um, and even when she's not around, my, my wife and I spend a lot of time hanging out. Uh, she's She loves her, her Sunday paper. Um, I'm sorry, what was that? Just the the, the Sunday, Sunday Times, Sunday, just opening it yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at that. So Journalism, you got to hope. You got yeah, a chance right yeah, here. Yeah, no, good, good. Good journalism is, is is not dead, you know, it's and it's really important. So we, we do we do spend time to sort of turn things off. And yeah. I think that's a big part of it is that we want her to have this connection to the present um, mm. that is sometimes um, so not as easily accessible in, in this day and age, um, given we're so inundated with so many messages. Um, so I think that's a big part of it. And in whatever we're doing, of course, like not to put so many judgments on like the notion of this is good for her. There's clearly things that aren't good for her. Um, and there are th things that are better for her, but not overall sweeping judgments because I don't necessarily like something or a type of this or that, mm -hmm. that it's not right for her. Um, because she, I know that she is, is forming into her own person and she's extremely young right now, mm -hmm. extremely impressionable. But at the end of the day, she is her own person and she'll have her own interests and inclinations. As much as I would love for her to be an, either a professional soccer player or a professional surfer, um, yeah. you know, or an artist, like Bodie Rose is gonna is gonna be Bodie Rose, so. Damn, Bodie. Marcus is so evolved right now. Yeah. I love this stuff. Because wow. usually I hear, no, usually I hear like parenting like, all right, I'm gonna play classical music for my kid from this time. I'm gonna have like a, a, a Chinese nanny, so she's gonna learn, she's gonna load her in with all the tools needed to succeed in this in this hyper-competitive world, right? Yeah. At least that's like what I hear, man. I don't know, like this, is a, this is a different sort of a approach than what I've been listening to lately. So for all you parents or prospective parents out there, I've read this really good book called The Danish Way of Parenting. And the, the Danes. The Danes, man. They got some stuff figured out over there. Nicholas Bentner. No, I'm just kidding. Nicholas no. Bentner. <laughs> Schmeichel. That's what we're talking about. Wow. Schmeichel. Wow. Schmeichel reference. Um, so they've got some. They've got something figured out there as far as happiness, right? I mean, there's definitely they're one, rated one of the happiest nations in the world. 
Um, there are a lot of components to that, but one of the uh, most researched components is actually the developmental years mm -hmm. as, as youth. And one of the things that's interesting there is that um, they really, really value play. This notion of experiential wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that like kids actually don't join organized sports and start training until much later. Um, the, the notion that they just play and go out and have fun in sports um, is really important there. And it's the same in, in the classroom. I, I believe it's kids don't actually do any sort of like organized studying until I want to say it's like what we would have in like second grade or something like that. No, and it's really just go out and playing with things and tactile experiences and learning through enjoying mm -hmm. um, and how much play teaches you how to help in a healthy way deal with conflict, um, conflict resolution, um, deal with like problem solving. Mm. Um, and you know, that's like really, I, that, I want her of all things, I want her of course to be happy, but I really want her to know how to, um, how to think, how to form her own ideas. Um, in, in our society, unfortunately, in our educational system, is set up in a way where, um, you know, recital is really important. Learn, like, memorize these words and repeat them back to me, and you get a good grade. Right. You will be rewarded for, for this parroting. Um, versus, like, how, you know, learn how to think. Learn how to create your own ideas and, and be comfortable in that place within you that is the unknown that oftentimes is a source for so much anxiety. Like, I wanna empower her with those tools. So my wife and I both agree on this and we haven't necessarily um, found the right, like we haven't come to any sort of conclusion as, as far as what sort of school we're going to send her to. Uh, but I think that's also a big part of my creative process um, is embracing the unknown, embracing uh, fear for things that I have no, notion of or know nothing about. I mean, LAFC has like sent me into some crazy corners creatively. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've done some pretty <coughs> random things that I have yeah, never yeah. done before. Uh -huh. um, and it's just, it's fun, you know, so constantly. So, so when you were, when you were a young, budding creative person, um, like were there, were there other lanes that you had sort of wanted to pursue, like towards towards film or photography or towards other stuff, was this sort of like a surprise that you were talking about, like something unexpected? Oh, for sure, 100%. Um, I actually studied cinematography and, uh, well first I studied fine art and communication um, at uh, in Santa Barbara, UCSB, mm -hmm. and then I, I transferred and I, I went to Columbia uh, College in Chicago and studied uh, cinematography and black world studies. Um, and so, you know, that was really, for me, cinematography as far as a career was concerned was like that was everything mm. you know those were my my idols um, were the giants uh, behind the camera so um, I did that I, I worked my way up in in, in the city and uh, to the point of you know literally going from plugging in cables and, and having a you know uh, earpiece in the whole time to actually sh you know shooting commercials and and uh, you know kind of came to the top of this mountain um, and realized as I started to sort of see other people, and this is where comparison is the root of all unhappiness, <laughs> that I actually liked a lot of other people's work better than I liked my own. Uh -huh. um, and that notion started pushing me towards directing instead. I was like, I'm just going to hire you to shoot 
this thing that I want to direct. Mm. Um, the more I did that, I started to kind of play. I found creativity to be super pliable. Um, and then I wasn't just a cameraman, I wasn't just a director. Because now there's this campaign and there's these other creative components to this campaign that I might as well give a shot at. Yeah, yeah. Um, and before I knew it, you know, I had like the most random sort of portfolio. And that's, that's sort of what, what eventually drew me to LAFC too, was Rich being like, okay, you're like really looking for a generalist. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. Nice. So what does that catalog entail? What, what are some of the more random type projects you've worked on? Oh, man. Um, well, you know, I've shot for Funny or Die, for College Humor, um, worked for, for YouTube, uh, YouTube Space LA. Okay. Shout out to YouTube Space LA. Um, we're for Red Camera. Um, Sounds like a porn site. Yes. Yeah, a little, there's probably, yeah, don't go to redcamera.com. I don't know what that is. I can't vouch for that. Um, but um, shot Disney World commercials for a while. Did this show in, uh, in Baltimore called Man at Arms where we actually built like medieval weapons, fantasy weapons though, like from games and stuff. Um, what? And then, yeah, yeah. Explain, please. So there's a blacksmith, uh, these two brothers. Uh, okay. Uh, this blacksmith family in Baltimore. There's only a few of these forges left, for, you know, in in you know these these uh, blacksmith shops in the country. Mm -hmm. um, Even the word forge here is, yeah. is, a, little, uh, is a little on the pulse. Um, but we would, yeah, we did. So we did the. Um, it's Hattori Hanzo, right? Is that the. Uh, the blade from uh, Kill, Kill Bill. Bill. Mm -hmm. So we actually built that. I didn't build it. I documented mm -hmm. it, but we built it from scratch. They actually um, created the the like iron ore for it, and then hammered it out and shaped it. And it's like the thousand fold to make the blade. And it was like, you know, a very long process to yeah. get this sword in in working fashion. And then just like demolished some fruit with it. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, that though that's actually just on the content side. Um uh, you know, there's there's a lot of twists and turns. Yeah, there's right. a lot of twists and turns. So and you know, I'm fortunate that it's taken me to a lot of places uh around the world and around the country. Um but, Do you have any other projects outside of LHC that you're working on now that is kind of a dream project for you? Oh man, dream projects. Those. Um, I've got a book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Plug that book, Marcus. Uh, dude, Dreams. Yeah. When you yeah, just stay stay tuned for about four years from now. It'll be it'll be really good. Um, I got this book of <laughs> got this book of photos that I shot in Brazil, and uh, while I was there, uh, I was just documenting every single day. And so I, you know, eventually when I ended up back in, in uh, LA, I had about 40 pages worth of uh, story and uh, a bunch of like semi-decent photos. That's one of the reasons I knew I had to turn it not into just a photo book. Uh -huh. and I had to support it with a little bit of narrative because yeah. they didn't hold up entirely on their we own. We love words here. So yeah, all about all about the narrative. So, yeah, I wrote, wrote a book about my experience in, in, uh, in the country of Brazil and, and just sort of the, it was a pretty crazy experience for me. Um, you know, uh, within the first couple of days there, went on a shamanic journey, uh, which really sort of opened up my mind to what that country and the people had to offer me. Mm. Uh, stay, if you, yeah. Hold on, I just have to say, if you want to 
live a life more like Marcus's life, you need to go on a shamanic journey. Were there, <laughs> were there drugs involved? No comment. Yeah, this is this is this um, a shamanic journey. Yeah, yeah, this is like what kind of drugs? <laughs> <laughs> the type that you take on a shamanic journey. Yeah, like ayahuasca. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So you crossed over. So <laughs> crossed over. Yeah. So you know, partook in 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 the culturally accepted and, and embraced um, uh, cultural uh, uh, acts. That happened near the Amazon, and um, damn, that shit sounds intense. Really opened my eyes to like <laughs> seriously being present to that country and its yeah. people in a way that I before wasn't ready for because my Portuguese was only like six months of you know Pimsleur, like not Portuguese yet. And um, I was nervous to be. I had a camera, a Ricoh GR, which I still carried all my games, which is a wide lens camera. It's an 18 mil. Mm -hmm. So in order to really document people, you actually have to have a conversation with them. Otherwise, your photography is not going to be that good. Ooh. Prior to that, I had only shot a bunch of like art, like a ton of architectural photos as a you know hobbyist, not portraits. So after going on that trip and my you know sort of expanding my consciousness a bit and realizing that we were all having a shared experience communal experience and speaking a different a, a, a non um, sort of a, a universal language I felt way more open to actually talking to people and taking photos and I just shot a ton of portraits while I was there um, spent time in in, uh, in, in the favelas um, of the, the shout out to Saint Jean de Hay uh, in Giadema in Sao Paulo um, mm -hmm. and spent some time really all over the country um, but I, I lost my stepfather while I was there mm. um, which was definitely a, a really heavy experience for mm. me being so far from home um, but knowing that um, you know talking to my mom about it and knowing that he was so excited for me to be on my trip and for you know knew it was like a dream of mine to be there that she didn't want me to come home early mm. um, uh, being embraced by people who who were total strangers but took care of me while I was going through yeah. that emotional process and that grieving. Um, it was just, I fell in love with that country. Um, and so this book really chronicles the twists and turns um, that I experienced while I was there. I want to read it right now yeah, well. and look at all the photos. <laughs> Why did you want to go to Brazil in the first place? What 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 was that? In, what was that? Oof. That seed in your head that that Oof. really made it expand? World Cup '94. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the way the Brazilians play, the 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 style, the the what do they call it, jinga? Um, this this real just kind of beautiful loose style of play um, that felt like dancing almost. Um, you know, I think they gave the Brazilians gave football its its grace and its and its beauty and, and you know there are other countries that may have given a little bit more of a formality and a math. Okay. Um, but I think Brazil really did add to the poetry of the game. Um, so that's interesting. It's spiritual home. Yeah. You could argue. Yeah. I mean, it's probably that for two sports: football and like MMA. Right? Oh, interesting. Oh, right. They, yeah. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because I Talk mean, that through. without the, fight, not really, not too big, but um, I mean, without the Gracies coming over here and fucking up big ass meatheads like that were swinging for the fences, like the 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 grace and technicality of 
MMA wouldn't be where it's at right now. That kind of seems That's like crazy, the same story. But, That's yeah. crazy because it's actually the same way in the surfing world right now. Really? Well, yeah. The, the 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 biggest names in you know the, as far as like national competition are concerned. Not there's still he's got some serious dudes dominating in John John Florence and of course um, you know um, uh, uh, you know we've 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 got like incredible American uh, products, but Kelly Slater, but. Um, the Brazilians, the Brazos, are dominant. They really, really kill it, and they're winning a lot of titles in surfing right now. Interesting. Um, and is it done with a certain flair that that, that awards them in, in that regard, or or how's that how that so? Yeah, you know what? Like as far like my knowledge of like being able to like really discern because I've only recently started to pay attention to competitive surfing mm-hmm. um, I have a hard time telling what's an what you know what should be a, a 9.0 run and a, a versus a, a nine you know a 7.0 run yeah because I feel honest. like wouldn't it be dependent on the wave it is very dependent on the wave yeah. but the, and so but that's also your responsibility to like line up and to catch the right wave right, right. Um, uh, but it's definitely like your ability to like stay you know in the pocket and stay like you know uh, uh, you know uh, stay covered longer it's also how many hits you get like through a section your ability to sort of connect like draw lines and and um, and of course air and, and, and sort of technical elements are really important as well but the Brazilians just seem consistent dude they are just like super super technical graceful they have everything in the water and um, so it's interesting you say that about MMA um, Maybe we all need to learn some samba. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> some capoeira or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Hey, speaking of capoeira, I was oh. talking to somebody, and I was trying to explain to them supporter culture, and I thought capoeira was a really useful metaphor. Really? Because most people, at least oh, like shit. the inherited hooligan mentality, yes. is like very fists fights, yes. right? Like guys meeting up in the park and beating the shit out of each other, mm-hmm. like yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Um, where like. The whole thing with capoeira is that you actually don't strike your opponent. Um, it's a, it's like a dance to show like what you could be capable of. Totally. There's like this. Oh. It's a very, it's very aggressive. Yeah. Actually, it's. I mean, it's both graceful and aggressive and expressive. It's different things. But like, if you've ever watched like a real deal capoeira circle, yeah. and like these dudes, just like, dude, this is power. Yeah. Like these guys could like, like could throw down at any minute. Yeah. But they never do. Well, and it's, it's interesting too to that because it's a. It's a sub, sort of a subversive. It was a subversive way for slaves to practice a martial art, yeah. um, um, while passing it off as like a cultural dance, mm-hmm. um, so that the masters wouldn't know wouldn't what, know that they were getting ready to on. fuck shit up. Right. <laughs> and it's interesting that correlation, sort of, to like what's going on in the stands, because there is that sense of like, you know, that kind of, it's almost this mosh pit element, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, where it's a practice for war. Right. Yeah. But, but the there's idea, a restraint at the end of right, it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of martial arts, and I've never studied martial arts, and I'm a complete novice in any sort of like in-depth analysis of this. I'd have to ask my buddy. Shout out to Josh Groats. Coverage You're just for the, born co- the wrong coverage, race. Hey, coverage for the athletic, uh, MMA, and all <laughs> that. Like Read his stuff. <laughs> uh, good friend of lots of pods. He like a lot of fighting. In my interpretation of it, is is based on that whole idea, like what you're capable of but you don't use mm. like it's sort of there but you don't necessarily sure. do it the study of it sure even in MMA, MMA right it's like it's because I fear the guy's back fist 
that I won't go this way or I'll dig this way because I know I'll be caught by it. But it often is just the the specter of it that's that's looming the entire fight, right? Mm -hmm. I think. So So let me watch more actual fights than I do. Yeah. Well, what's the question? <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just that it's like, no. There are no questions. But I think what we geek out about most is just like, especially for us who are fans of international football, it's just like in football and in the octagon and even in fight sports, like there are the same determined rules for regardless of what culture you're in, and it is the inter- interpretation of those of those lines that we really find a lot of joy and a lot of happiness in the way that mm-hmm. a Brazilian or an Argentinian or even an, a fan of Asian football can, can can decipher what that looks like. But it really is. It's you When you have the same rules, you almost give it a creativity to, 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 to burst in a different way, right? Sure. Fences are like the best thing that ever happened to creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Deadlines, limits. Shit, yeah. That stuff, like, has yeah. God knows Ooh, how many things. The parameters will set you free. The parameters set you free. Yeah. And I was just, I'm just saying, to reiterate about the supporter culture thing in Capoeira, it's like, the way I see in my own idealized mind, like, the best version of supporter culture is just, like, people who can fucking throw down, like, yeah. in the circle, right? Yeah. But they never actually throw down. In the sure. Circle. Like, you want to yeah. intimidate the shit out of somebody. Yeah. You want to blow their mind, like, with creativity and grace and movement and, yeah. and like, moves that they hadn't seen before. And come like just close enough to like actually hitting this person, yeah. but never actually doing it. And even that part of it is like the most baller part of all, right? Because like they know you could, yeah. but you don't. I mean, I, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say that's that's kind of one of the interesting points in dancing in the streets is that um, you know early on, really early sort of eighties in New York, eighties in New York, yeah. <laughs> probably a little earlier than that. Yeah. Um, you know, humans use things like flags and masks to make themselves bigger oh. and the group together mm-hmm. to ward off predators, yeah. right? So, um, you know, just this notion that even like those components are elements of that are used throughout the history of humanity as survival mechanisms oh, sure. to make yeah. them bigger. Right, um, like the haka. Like the haka, 100%, mm-hmm. yeah. totally. I mean, like, like, or even like, a little a bit of a reach, but like in murmuration, like this, a natural phenomenon where these birds cluster together and fly, uh, and you yeah, see them in this sort of amoebic form yeah. to scare off larger predatory yeah. birds. Um, but I mean, that's 100%. You get the smoke, you get the flags, yeah, yeah. you get the collective voice. Right. And, uh, and, and to bring it back, like you said, it's it's a form of tribalism. Yeah. It's representing your colors, it's, you know, letting everyone know that you're ready for war. Yeah. Right. And you talk about masks, I mean, it's like a lot of masks in, in old times where you wear what you fear, right? And then you, you, you oh, yeah. ward off others, right, yeah. using that. And so when you talk about the smoke and you talk about the, the pageantry behind yeah. the even just like marching off the to kind of war example. Totally. That's wild, man. Yeah. It's just, you wear it to make, to, to be bigger than you are, right? And I think that's, I mean, that's indicative in even what we do in um, the North End. What we do, what we do as supporters is just like... Worlds out there, just, just, together we are we're larger, right? Than what we can. That's pretty wild, man. I mean, yeah. no, I, it's great. We'll be back with Marcus in just a moment. One more break. <laughs> Stay with us. We got some tea. We got some dweez. We got some Marcus Slim and Josh. Hey. hey. Tea time. In the back yard, tea time with Dweez. You already know what it is. We're here with Marcus. 
today's tea of the day is a little Shang Pu'er. Oh. The raw Pu'er for those who are Shung interested. Shang something completely different in Korean. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it means young, like birth, like uh, raw. Um, here's the thing about Shang Pu'ers though. Some of them like hit you, right? And some of them just, they won't hit you, right? This one kind of lands right in the middle for me. This isn't like my like, oh my God, the okay. one. But it comes in like a compressed cake. Um, and for all of you guys, can you can you clarify what it means when it hits you right versus when it doesn't hit you right? Uh, I mean, these are just tea leaves, guys. You know, what I'm saying this is just the Camellia sinensis compressed. There is nothing added. No, come on now, come on. You guys just know me better now. No, I'm, I'm saying sometimes it hits you right. Like sometimes the flavors are just like. Oh, sorry. Oh, you. You Marcus, you're going to flip. We've got our Taiwanese tasting cups. One's yes. in a rum cup. You're just going to grab it on both sides and okay. flip it over. And it's going to seem like it's going to spill, but it's not. And you pull it up, give it give it the old smell, and this this long cup is your, for your nose. Oh, yeah. That's nice. And then as you want more tea, you just put this little guy in, near me, and I'll keep pouring you up. Awesome. Thanks, dude. No, the sometimes the... What I was saying about Shungpur in general, it's like sometimes you'll you'll drink one and you'll be like, oh my god, this shit is disgusting. You know, you'll you'll be like, this is like too bitter, it's too mm. like weird, because they're all teas that um, over time change flavor. So the longer you, you know, if you had one from exactly, and it'll they say they get better with time, kind of like wine, but sometimes you can have ones that are old that just are trash too. Interesting. But different people, different tastes. So. Yeah. This one's so always kind of landed in the middle for me. It's not like my favorite one I've ever had, but it's definitely not one that's uh, too bad. And in the subsequent you, steeps, they'll taste quite different than this steep. So Where did you get it? How old is it? And so, how long did you steep it? This one, the problem, or not the problem, one of the reasons I think that this particular tea isn't maybe as interesting or like, you know, complex is because it was made last year. So it's like a relatively new one. There's like several big poor tea vendors online. Um, my girl Iman in, in Alhambra. Sometimes she has Iman, poor, but she hasn't really she hasn't really fuck with uh, poor like that. Her, her Phoenix oolongs are a thing. I've plugged the the pod many times. The best Phoenix oolong shop, arguably outside of China, is in Alhambra. So hey, go see her. Really? I mean, she's had articles in like that, deservingly so, like LA Times, like all the food things. Wow. Anyone who's like a a food person who wants like the best tea, go out and see her. But but poor is like this thing that had like an investment boom and a bust and like tons of the tech bros got into it at one point from like San Francisco and they would like fly over and start their little operations in San Fran. What but was the best, their obsession? Was it poor like, is like a weird tunnel universe which we don't have, which we don't even want to like go all the all way right. into for the sake of the podcast. But basically, yeah. it's like it's the one category of tea that has like no bottom gotcha. because of the aging process gotcha. where some of the other teas not necessarily aging is not as much of a factor mm. but for those curious in like the different poor vendors online like one is called Yunnan sourcing that's a good one I, was, I mean there's obviously all the Chinese vendors but if you don't speak Chinese you know or if you don't read Chinese or if you don't know what you're looking for I wouldn't recommend like going on Alibaba and ordering some poor cakes mm. or going to like the shops and just like grabbing like the first like disc that you find and thinking that it's gonna be delicious right <laughs> so Check out Yunnan Sourcing. Check out, there's another one called White to Tea, which is like a pretty funny, like white and then two, and then the number two, and then tea. He like does like weird, like hip hop, like. Let's go. Uh, like he had like a like some Drake lyrics on a cake. On white yeah. Number two tea. Right? And it's like, exactly. I don't even know, I don't know his whole story, but this is actually one of his, his teas uh, that came out last year. I was part of like a little like three month sampling of their teas. 
I wasn't convinced enough to keep ordering from him. Okay. Ooh, okay. But I did think that this one was was all right. I need to buy. I keep saying this. I need to buy some new teas. Not the I want to. These two. These two have had almost every tea that I have had in the last like six months, and I want to give them some, some new stuff. And you guys, new sh- you guys, you guys have, uh, you've come quite the way as far as your, uh, your tea tasting. Uh, yeah, I even changed the. You know, when I get milk tea and they got an oolong option, I take that shit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's what we do this for. That's what we do this for, y'all. <laughs> That's the epi title is when they have the oolong shit, I take that shit. Dude. Yeah. I take that shit. Let's go. <laughs> hey, shawty, run that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, for all my for all my milk tea and boba tea loving people, if you guys want to take a weird adventure and you haven't <coughs> been part of the cheese tea craze yet. Yeah, what do you learn on the boba, the Whoa. boba world? I fuck with boba heavy. I okay. like all that other stuff too. I mean, but I just want to say on the cheese tea thing, if you've never had cheese tea, you should try it, but not anywhere. Ooh. One of my favorite cheese tea places in downtown, Little Fluffyhead Cafe. It's kind of like a cream cheese type topping that they started to yeah, do in like yeah, yeah. Guangzhou, like southeastern China, the province that's near Hong Kong, uh, where when you take a sip, you get like some of the tea and some of the cheese, and Ooh. it creates this like pretty rad flavor. And they've got a good e- roasted oolong at Little Fluffyhead Cafe. Get it unsweetened with the cheese tea topping with boba. You got have yourself. A nice Friday night. Hey, it's <laughs> the FCFC Friday. Well, let's yeah. go. Let's meet up. Gotta do that. So, I say all that to just tell you that it's time for me to tell the troops story. Oh, yeah. Tell, tell a little about troops. So, I don't usually during tea time want to commandeer the whole conversation, but for the sake of what, what went on last week, I thought the LAFC universe had to know what went down. <laughs> We're talking about inspiration. I've been struggling with inspiration for the past, I don't know, six months. I can't tell you how many shows on Netflix, on Hulu, on all these streaming platforms mm-hmm. I've tried to watch have been recommended yeah. and have totally fallen flat for me. Sure. There's like, just, you know, I just haven't seen a lot of good stuff lately, guys. I'm just finding myself digging back to Lawrence of Arabia and just watching that again. Wow, you know what I'm that's saying? a deep, <laughs> deep cut. A little yeah, problematic, a but you know, it's, we'll, we'll work with that. So, yeah. to, the, to the black and gold universe, if you've got recommendations, maybe we'll get into that in a second. Uh, we'll talk about it. But Ooh, my yeah. point is... Basically, my spare time media consumption has almost become exclusively Arsenal fan TV. There's something, there's something lo-fi and like sort of socially, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of interesting reasons I watch it. Sometimes it's visceral. Sometimes it's just like, well, this is so strange to me that these like guys that talk outside of a stadium about a team have a million subscribers and how like all the other teams in the EPL, like whether you're Manchester United fans, Chelsea fans, whatever, like everyone's heard of Arsenal fan TV and you've probably yeah. seen one of their videos. Yeah. Sometimes you're laughing at them, sometimes you're laughing with them, sometimes you're crying with them. So yeah. you've got this whole range, right? And Robbie's an interesting guy, the guy that, that guy that started it. For sure I got respect for any straight-nosed journalist. But my guy, one of the characters that always came up is Troops, Troops right? Yes. Troops has just got this personality. He's just like the type of guy I want to kick it with, the type of guy that seems like he belongs in L.A. Mm-hmm. So obviously when I found out that they were coming to L.A., and I was going to go down to the Arsenal game. I'm like, ah, oh, I wonder if I'm going to run into these guys. And I'm in the car with Ryan Walsh. And shout out to Ryan Walsh. And shout out to the Season Pass podcast. If you shout haven't ever Yankees. heard of it. Yankees. Yankees. Champions. Let's go, baby. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck out of here. Ryan and I were talking, and I had this idea. And I don't know about you guys. When you ever, when you have an idea of something you should do, um, if you ever just, like, you can't unsee it. Like, <laughs> and the idea was, I need to bring them hats, like LAFC hats. I need to bring Robbie and Robbie and uh, Troops hats. And and granted, I know on the surface this might seem like a trolley sort of thing to do. They were playing in Dignity Health Sports Park the same week that the Galaxy were going to be playing LAFC. 
I would have done the same thing if they were at the Coliseum or at the Rose. It had nothing to do with where the Galaxy were going to be playing. It was just you know, the only chance I probably would see these guys. Um, and after talking to Casey on the podcast, I was just like, you know what? If I want to leave them with a memory, LAFC, right? It's soccer guys, right? So I went down. To make a long story short, I eventually was sort of like haphazardly standing near troops as he was getting in the mix with, uh, you know, one of the things that California offers people, right? Mm-hmm. Just the old, the old slim, else. the old slim, <laughs> the old slim special. I uh, smoked a few bowls during this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just, just you know, something that anyone in Los Angeles could could almost almost recommend for a visitor. Uh, and troops, troops as a man who loves his greens was 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 rolling up. So I had a chance to talk to him. I didn't want it to be for the cameras or nothing. I was just like, hey man, look, English Premier League fans, sort of the Richard Roscoe pitch right mm-hmm. english premier league fans you got your scarves you know and in la they just don't make sense i get it at lafc games people bring scarves it's fine yeah. i think scarves are sort of cumbersome yeah. but i've always worn fucking hats you know mm-hmm. my whole life 100%. i used to rock the la hats whatever so by the time the lafc hat came out i just loved it and i was like that's what i gotta bring these guys so i went over bought two hats at the at the h the hq before i headed down found them found troops I'm like, hey man, explain to him that whole thing. And then we just sort of like had this really in-depth conversation about LAFC. And I won't explain exactly what it is. He was super interested. And he was just like, yeah, man, I've heard of it. Like, tell me about it, right? And I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I gave him my pitch. And at the end of it, I was just like, you know, you don't have to wear it now or anything. Like, I just, if you even want to give it to your family when you get back home, whatever, he's like, nah, man. Fuck that. And he put it on and he threw it on his Instagram and he's like, fuck the galaxy. And he starts <laughs> and he's like, LA's black and gold or whatever. And I was like, whoa. So so he just sort of went nuts with it uh, right away. And he sort of we were vibing out and he had he had some homies there, like, I'm sure these people will never hear it, but like shout outs to to Helen and and her whole crew, like the people you never see on camera that were visiting from London, right? Yeah. And we just gotta vibe out as the ambulance comes down the block. Um, the black is hot tonight. Huh. And in that moment, I have to I have to say I know how I appear with my long hair, mustache, and seemingly carefree attitude, but I actually <laughs> haven't smoked marijuana in four years, and I, it makes me crazy. Yeah. But in that moment, after troops had recorded the Instagram thing, and after he's rocking the hat, he's like, "Yo, man, you want to hit this?" Yeah. And I swear to God, there are two people in the world, Nazir Jones and Troops, that could have made, made me hit it. And so, of course, I hit it. And I had to smoke a little with Troops. And, you know, my reactions when I, when I smoke are a little extreme. Yeah. So the rest of that game and that experience was a little bit wild. Elevated. So if you stop, if you stop <laughs> hearing that, my chance to just be a fan, I was definitely never on did, some, on some dwee yeah. shit. And I just want to say the best part was, shout out to Troops if you ever hear this, you kept rocking the lid, man. You were LAFC, yes. you were black and gold. You yes. went to Atlanta, you were black and gold. Yes. You went to Charlotte, you were black and gold. DC, black and gold. If I see you in London rocking the LA hat, <laughs> I know that the message rang through clear. Yeah, and I, you know, like that, sometimes you don't got to come with a pitch. The shit sells itself. Yo, the ambulance 100%. hit us with the freaking air horn. <laughs> top it up. So that's my, that's my thing. So, hey, my point is, if you ever have someone that uh, you just admire what they do and you want to give them a gift, LAFC hats. LAFC Make a hats. perfect gift. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, you guys talked about the hat, right? With Rich? I think we talked about it a little bit. Good. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, because you know you'll eat that up. That's yeah. so emblematic. And it's, uh, you know, the development of it was uh, 
was a was a process. Um, and I know I think uh, Marcus has some uh, beautiful leather-bound books that um, we've got some some things inside that we want to see. So yeah, I got, I got some books up. here. I got some books here. This is um, you know 2015. It's April May 2015. Um, as we we started early early ideation around um, where we wanted to head with uh, our identity mm-hmm. and uh, had a couple of people outside reach out to us, a couple of agencies, a couple of people really um, interested in putting this thing together who had presented some books for us. And so I just wanted to share this with you guys to check out, to take a look at, oh, to man. just get a sense of sort of what some of the thoughts were around what LAFC you know, should be, could be, or what LA is. Um, because I think this early process was was definitely a part of our germination as we, you know, uh, we're trying to put images together and, and put messages together. So, Jeez, yeah, this is. How uh, do you want to walk us through, Marcus? I don't. You know what? I'm just gonna hand them over, man. Ooh. This is like uh, this is V1. Oh man. And yeah, I don't know if you guys wanna how you wanna do it, but I see a I see a tinge of red and black immediately, and that's see the downtown skyline. Unfortunately, there are no Pandulce trucks so far. Are we okay to read this, or I would say just Let's... soak up the imagery. Oh man, this is beautiful. And just the you know, the notions. Got you, got you, got you. Got the lowriders in here. We got a UCLA crew neck over here. Got we got the Beverly graffiti. Hills logo. Downtown center. So this is RLA. We got Snoop over here as, as well. As presented by an organization, right? One sure, of the sure, early sure. things was the notion of. You know, this is who we are and this is who we aren't. One thing that um, Rich and Pat and I and, and, and early, you know, members uh, of, of the, the front office staff, uh, along with our ownership, decided was that we didn't want to disclude anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, so this notion of like, this is who we are, this is who we're not. Aside from like aesthetically, visually, of course you have to like kind of narrow and like make some decisions and narrow the scope, but we didn't want people to feel like they weren't a part of what we were about because they may live in a certain part of the city or they may rock it a certain way, so. Gotcha. And so even set on this page, it's it's a mix the of what the kind of expectations of LA is. We got some Beverly Hills logos here. Mm-hmm. We got the 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 pop paparazzi going going ham. The Kodak Theater with the Oscar Oscar statues. Mm-hmm. Palm trees, nice cars, right. Walk of Fame. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. what on on the opposite side we have the Lowriders. We got the downtown center sign. We got Snoop. We got that UCLA crew neck. We got um an LA. Uh, kind of a neon board that's not necessarily the LA uh, neon board you think of when you think about in Los Angeles. You got some graffiti over here too. This is pretty wild. So Yeah. So then flip the page here. We'll even fast forward a little bit because this is similar, right? Yeah, we yeah. are, we are not. Where it starts to get interesting is like some of the directions oh, man. that we get into when we start. To, so this is some of the strategy. This is contextualizing. Um, crests throughout the league right and then they get into colorway breakdown for sort of the spaces of colors right mm-hmm. um, and then you actually start to notice some of the imagery is interesting because it's actually really on point for us right um, we see the we see the Yankee pinstripes here I just want to mention that <laughs> also got the bulls in there yeah <laughs> you had to water shout, it down shout out Chicago 
beauty, um, beauty, beauty, beauty. But then, oh my God, this so, is gold right here. Walk okay. us through, Marcus. Wow. Okay, so this is again, this is an outside agency um, translating LA uh, from, from a distance. Um, and so you get, you know, you just get a lot of shapes. You get a lot of different iterations of the LA. Um, you know, of course, and as we think about LA, we think of, you know, the, the most iconic LA is, is the Dodger LA. So, yeah, right. you know, anything, I think that, that fuels so much inspiration. It's sort of like a, an origin or a source for, right, for, right. for the iconography that you can definitely see that, um, you know, kind of hitting here. Some of it's Whoa, crazy. We're like, looking at some logo work. We're looking at some shapes wavy. that are going through. Oh, yeah. I mean, we will point out the biggest trip about it all is that we're looking at that like weird red orange. Yeah. With a lot of this. Yeah. A lot of this is that weird red orange and black totally. that was on the original scarf. Ooh. Well, so that was actually a bit of a printing error. That oh. red yeah, it wasn't orange, orange was too orange. It was supposed to be red, but it was oh. like a run. Mm -hmm. But these, a look run like, these look like they're more red-orange. They are, but this was actually sort of the interpretation of this agency as to like maybe mm -hmm. where the colors could go. Gotcha, gotcha, Our gotcha. original colors were much more of like a blood red. Right. Um, or we're looking, we're looking red. at Bengals colors here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I mean, we see all different kinds of shapes as the the crest and the shield that we've we've seen circles, octagons, a little hexagonal stuff right here. Right. This is wild. And ooh, okay. Now <laughs> now let's let's oh let's run on this. Oh man. Do explain to me what I'm feeling oh. in my head right now because you're good at that stuff. Josh is feeling like Oof. he's never been happier that oh, certain man. ideas weren't taken. <laughs> <laughs> and he's super happy that he doesn't have to wear some of the kits that we're looking at. Hey, right you now know that what? Marcus is good enough and, to show. Oh man. This is uh these look like we're looking at some possibly um, comp kits right here. This is a very uh, footy headline. Okay, geez, oh. we're looking at one that looks a lot like a team that we uh, <laughs> we play against that is in the same state. This is wild. It's a lot of it's. Oh, okay, it's a lot of um, different colorways, color schemes that we can use as our first kit. A second. Mm. Kit. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> no. No, I don't know. I don't know about no, man. No, this I, is kind of wild, man. This I'm is, so. Okay, this one. This one looks a little bit like. I wish I had my a series of folded right paper clips uh, that are like folding in on each other that Josh is sort of like, I kind of want to wear this because I'm fashionable. And Slim is kind of like, I don't care how fashionable you are, I don't want to look like an idiot. It's a, it's a little it's a little Juventus Y3 action right here, which yeah, I'm, it's, sure. it's, it's definitely sure. in, in that kind of lane. It looks a little bit like what you find on poorly designed soccer cleats. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of sublimated stuff yes. here. I don't mean to throw everybody under no, the bus on all this. No, but this is, this is I wild. Think this is, you know what this does? This illustrates how the best case scenario ended up happening. Yeah. Like the, the, what we ended up with as the logo. Just, again, the hat. Think well, of, thinking of is, how that bounces on the hat. This is one of hundreds, right? Yeah, yeah. The iterative process of like simplifying of trying to take this notion of what LA is and 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 you know an, an, an icon that really represents us to its fullest, um, and then just trying to remove as much as possible, constantly yeah. remove, oh, remove, sure. remove, to the point where like only the elements that exist or are left are truly of the city of LA, um, and it, I mean, it was a crazy process, but uh, you know it was. How, I mean, how do you look at bad ideas in that sense? Like, don't you think they're, and that's the way, aren't they good things? Aren't bad ideas like the yeah, best things ever? Yeah. Because yeah. you get them, by putting them on, one of these like looks like a mountain, 
like I don't I'm not quite a sure. A wavy mountain. Of a wavy sort. mountain. Yeah. Um, like, isn't it good to have that? Because you're like, okay, so now we know that wavy mountains are not the. You know the trickiest route. thing though for me early on, mm-hmm. um, I've learned a lot about diplomacy and a lot about just sort of you know I still got a ways to go, but a lot about sort of sitting back in the pocket a little bit and letting the room take in things before mm-hmm. coming out with strong opinions. Um, because it's, you know, I think early on it was really tough for me because I was so terrified of what these on a page presented to, you know, what in my opinion maybe be, you know, somebody in the organization that might get attracted to it or absolutely right. fall in love with it. So I was just sort of emotion on the sleeves Oftentimes, when in all reality, like if you trust the people that you're with mm. and the inclinations of the group, and then of course your ability to tell story around to enroll people in the ideas that you're passionate about or seem to make the most sense, then it all works out. Mm. And I think that that's really what it came down to. Is as a collective, um, we <laughs> we were were pretty unanimous on, on a lot of these and a lot of everything awesome. and a lot of the other things we saw. Yeah. And this is what, like you, I mean, they're really, the agency that brought this to you is like, they're really going through, going through the reps of like giving you every different kind of iteration of what this could look like, about yeah. the popular styles of the day. Like sure. I see some Digicam over here. I see a lot of, you know, possible international jersey and uh, kind of inference over here. But it's like, this is really, I mean, they, they did their diligence in terms of that. And I right. think as, as someone who's offering ideas as a first first round of research like this is really great i love i love how they set it up as like this is how we are perceived this is who we truly are yeah and how we how we strike that is is different right and now you see you know you see the vision of kendrick right here you see you see the different kind of um apparel and merch that comes out of it no this is wild man this is really i mean this is stuff that i geek out over all the time right? yeah. And that we never get to see, right? <laughs> That's what. Oh man, we're back here, and we're back here to crash and logo design. And I see, I mean, you see kind of the influence of what they're, even what they're pulling for from the culture, and then they're they're putting on even from like skate culture here, right? Surfing culture here to even more like Americana diner culture here, right? To even they're getting close here with the crash, and like I mean, they're offering but a lot not, of examples. But I'm not seeing anything in here that's like that that has the deco. Right. And right, nothing right. in here that has the wing yet. Right. Yeah. And Marcus, this, no, this is early, and, early, and I don't think early. if you're if you're not someone of like an LA historian, you're not going to really know about Art Deco. But that's the thing we talked about when um, when Ben was here, right? We talked about um, Matt Wolf and his design here, and I thought yeah. it was I thought it was fascinating was that he's not from here, yeah. But he he saw such a respect for that architecture sure. there, and then he took it from there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, art, I mean, Art Deco is is definitely you know embedded in the in the sort of the, the aesthetic fabric of the city, um, but it's also tricky because Art Deco can be um, oftentimes extremely ornate, right? Mm. And that's not necessarily like a contemporary look. Mm-hmm. So it's a balance of Art Deco and like even mid-century modern sometimes, like minimalism. Um, because if you think about, for instance, Art Deco from a visual standpoint, Gatsby is very Art Deco. Yeah. And there's a lot of flourish. There's a lot of like excessively right, right, right. unnecessary stuff there. Right. That's the idea. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's like the, the the minimal elements of Art Deco, the shapes um, that speak to not only like LA, but also like there's a whole genre of Art Deco that's that's um, uh, Mexican Art Deco. Mm. There's a ton of Art Deco in, 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 in Mexico. 
Um, so these just notions that it really is inherent to the city of Los Angeles, inherent to the, the fabric of LA, and then you get out of town in these buildings, man. It's right. just, it's all over. Beautiful. Um, so uh, we early, it was tricky because early on is once that notion, once the title Art Deco became associated with LAFC, um, as we started to receive like presentations and things, it was all Gatsby, and it was like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's like tone this down a little bit. Let's like put parameters around this notion that that's what sure. we're about. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Um, it influenced the mark, I think, in a really beneficial way, um, and it continues to influence um, you know things that Jeff and I do, you know, in inspiration for for posters and, and for for merchandise, um, but. Um, did you did you ever feel like it could have got? You know, you went through these these iterations. You went through these different things. Do you ever feel like it could have got to where what you have now, where it could be as strong as it is, or at least my interpretation of how strong, like what what not right now is on Josh's shirt. Like, Dude, that's that's a that's a good ending to have happened, and maybe you know it didn't strike you right away and it was such like a growing process you couldn't have unseen all the, the initial editions but like how did you feel about the final version good i mean i, I think we were just brutally sort of uh, um sort of relentless about pushing forward and continuing to chip away at you know if it didn't work we weren't going to settle on it no matter mm -hmm. how long it took yeah um and there were just so many versions that were close and that got us, you know, took us to a certain direction but didn't necessarily land. I see. And at the end of the day, we kept on saying the two filters are, are you know, World's Game and World City. And as we think about just like, we needed also something to speak to the global game, but also so to like this sort of idea of what a mark is domestically. So like, you know, what you're wearing on your shirt is, is our, our monogram. Mm -hmm. It's a breakout, it's an extraction. Mm -hmm. While that represents the city, and, and, and if you think about San Francisco, you think about you know, LA, Dodgers, Giants, uh, Yankees, mm -hmm. it's uh, literally just the city. But if you add the seal onto it, which is the, the city seal, right. all of a sudden you have a crest, and that's a very global notion. So it's, it's being able to have breakout pieces that feel a little bit more digestible and comfortable here domestically, but also like still speaking to the world's Pitching game. Pitching to the world's game, right, yeah. right, right. And that's actually one of the coolest things about the hat, I think, is for a while, you know, we were, we were working to convince Adidas um, that we should go blackout on the on the logo on the side of the hat, which of course for them is like, it's, it's a tough yeah, yeah. to swallow. You want to get your brand out there and get people to see it. But one of the trade-offs was, we're like, look, we're going to go blackout on our name on the back of the hat and we're brand new <coughs> we don't want this hat to scream at Los Angeles Football Club we want it to represent Los Angeles because mm. that's what we're about we're city first before we are sport no. and and I think you know that was a huge opportunity for us um, in this market is like focusing on the city um, focusing on the people uh, so were you on the same page with using that kind of breakout symbol outside the crest on the hat as quickly as, as maybe a Rich was when he was obsessed with the Dodgers logo? Well, him and I were in lockstep on that the whole way. I mean, as a matter of fact, I, you know, I always tease Rich because he says two inches. I say 1.78. Uh, <laughs> if, 
really get down to it, like the specifics of the, like we were measuring and we did a couple of runs of promo caps yeah. to test the size and it was like, okay, too small, because we could do quick turns on those. We couldn't do a quick turn with a major retail vendor. On the, the auto cap. caps? On that, so we had, we had to like literally get a made down to LA, shrink, 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 measure, yeah. okay, this is where it is. And you know the the oversized logos and the things that were trending at the end of the day were like, dude, we're talking about history as a form of active participation. We're talking about make history when we say that. Uh-huh. It's like you also want to have a sense of nostalgia in the pieces that you have. Right. So we want that cap to feel as historically <coughs> relevant as a Dodger cap. Let's not go with the crazy oversized trendy logo. Sure, sure, Let's sure. Let's keep sure. it keep it classic. That's wild, man. And. When you did finally decide on the crest and the logo together, like, what did that feel like to march out with? I mean, not only the hats but the T-shirts that came out to it. Like, what, what was what was the overwhelming feeling when um, people started wearing it and like you saw it out on the street? It was a trip, dude. Because you know, the first week, first probably month, I, I would see people out on the street and I would run up to them. You know, (laughs) I know someone, you know, or like, I know where you got that. I know, like, we are literally that close. Yeah. And over time, I realized that I would like freak out and people would just be like, nah, you know, like there was a little little bit more separation, you know? And and so it was, and then I started getting excited. I would be like on vacation and catch a hat or my wife would say something and I would go up because there is always this element of solidarity. I would, like, try to tone it back a little bit so I didn't, <laughs> you know, come off a little creepy, but just that idea that no matter where you are in the world, you still are, you know, there's, there's the hats are out there, the caps are out there, the, the brand is out there. My my dream, I don't, I don't know how great this is for, for um, actual, you know, our bottom line, but my... I would say we made it when I'm like walking the street of you know Bangkok and I see a knockoff mm, LAFC yeah, jersey, man. or I'm in Brazil and I see a knockoff LAFC jersey on the street that I can buy for like five or ten bucks. Yeah, I know some people in Hangzhou. I think I can get you some of the old uh, right? knockoff jerseys huh? real quick. Like I'm not, I think those are already making the rounds, bro. They're making the rounds. No, hey, and knockoff jerseys aside, I have to see it in the wild though. Yeah, I don't want to just sure. be able to go to like buy it online and have right. it shipped here. I want to go there and see a kid rocking. Yeah, it. no, Chi was recently in Brazil or Argentina, and he said he saw a random person with really with a kid. Dude, that's I'm telling you, man. Yeah, that's, man. Like, I mean, I saw I saw I ran into you know at the World Cup last year. I ran into somebody when who's wearing an LAFC thing in Russia and I was like that. I mean, it was only six months in, right? Yeah. I know it's a football event, but it was still yeah. pretty like... Yeah, man. This is only yeah. six months six months in. Yeah. Okay. I mean, to the first season at least. When I mean, we talked about um, Brazil and even in Bangkok, but like what I think the story that connects Sam and Marcus here is uh, the story in Dortmund and just walking us through that and just walking through the streets of Dortmund. We've talked about it a lot with... Um, Sam, Ben, yeah, I've yeah. said my story. Let's, yeah. let's hear Marcus's yeah, version yeah, yeah. of what oh, that Dortmund trip was like. Oh, man. That Dortmund trip was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> that was a trip. It was really, really something else, man. I mean, just to be in a place like that where it is religion. We went into a, a church where I saw, like, and I, I've got a bit of a punk rock background. Like, you know, like, so, so to go into a church where I saw... A, a, a jacket, denim jacket with cut off and like a bunch of patches next to a robe 
you know, and then a soccer ball. I was just like, this is, I, yeah, I can get down with this. This is, this is religion. So, um, but it was, it was also, there were, it had everything you wanted of a trip. There was a little bit of the, the adventure. It was like some scary moments, um, some like, you know, we went on this, I can't remember his name, and he's, he's not, I have a feeling he's not going to listen to this, but the dude that gave us the brewery tour, do you remember that brewery tour? Dude. <laughs> Do you remember that brewery yeah. tour? This guy was the driest the fucking tour guy. Worst tour. Oh, and again, oh this is very judgmental of me, but I, this was no, a the worst tour. The worst tour any Wait, of us had ever the whole, taken. He just, and you have beer in your hand yeah, the whole time. So what's wrong? What could possibly be wrong? <laughs> he was just terrible at explaining things, just boring and dry as shit. So everybody was just staring at each other, making eye contact, and at an, like at some moment, like everybody just started busting up. Yeah, yeah. and he thought it. he was killing yeah. it. Yeah, this that night. was the best part about it. Is that like there was moments like that where we were all like we kind of there was just an amazing bond, like solidarity in these moments, yeah. whether they were painful or you know whether you know, I mean hitting Dortmund at night, you know going to the clubs and and watching this dude just well, destroy. I absolute destroy the dance floor <laughs> it was unbelievable oh and there the that i mean the tour guide the beer tour guide must have killed it because that was the only time that lord commander drank with us yeah yeah that's right that is right and i'll never forget what he said to you he's like i i wish i would have brought my son so he could have went out with you guys last night yeah <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> Yeah, Next man. time, Dragon, yeah, we got you. What is Dragon. this brewery? What is this brewery? Give me a little context on it. I think you... It was a restaurant with a brewery inside of it. And is that a Dortmund-like specific one, or what it, are we it talking was. about? It was. Like a lo it was a local beer. It had, you know, it's historic. It had been there for quite a long time. Yeah. And, like, you know, you, you go down into the... It, it's not... It's The thing is, it's such a humble town that it's not, like, this big, crazy, built-out, like, experience. And so okay. the dude Germany, giving Detroit. you... It's Germany's Detroit. It's Pittsburgh. Yeah. And so the guy who's giving you the tour is just, you know, one of the guys that works there at the brewery or whatever, right? right? right. He's got, he knows. He, he got put on tour duty. He's that done day, it, right, right. but he's, you know, put on, on duty. So, you know, in his defense, like, yeah, he was doing the best he could. But it was also strange because we were getting a tour through this brewery and I would end up in, we would end up in rooms where there was no talking point. And it was just like a storage <laughs> closet or something. <laughs> it was just like, okay, I'm glad I saw that. I took that in. Um... But yeah, it was it was an interest, interesting tour. It was so good that like literally the whole like bus ride back, we were talking about making T-shirts with his face. Oh yeah, it. no, I got I got I had to take a picture of him. He was generous. So enough. good. That's but awesome. you know, again, that's like a, such a minute element to um, to the tour um, that we had. But I, it was just this moment where we had fun together. We you know found solidarity together. Um, the actual experience of going there and seeing. You know the yellow wall. Yeah, Seeing yeah. the the Hamburg supporters while out, that was like one of the things that and we were sitting together. Yeah. So to see that level of just sheer just fire yeah, in yeah. a small section, um, and the the uniformity and it was there was that moments where it pit, was terrifying. Oh. The mosh pits and the aisles like, and it, they looked white powers. Dude, it fuck. was scary, bro. <laughs> I was. I mean, I wear, yeah, I, I yeah, can't. Yeah, the, the can't first night we were out, when yeah, me, you, Chi, and Imad were walking around, yeah. people, and like Ray, like 
people are looking at us like we were doing like we we might as well have been walking around naked the way they were looking at us yeah yeah like it was a trip dude. yeah and i was like all right i hope we don't get beat up because i'm drunk <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what the crazy thing is that that i you know there i there is a level after you know sort of you know us maybe wanting to meet with certain people and then not necessarily being as receptive you know i was i very respectful of you know sort of the the notion um or maybe the misperceptions of why we were there mm-hmm. i could see those those perceptions being missed very easily um and even just the fact that like if i had a club that it was that established and i have spent so much energy to like build this thing in the north you know in their in their yellow wall like who are these scrubs who haven't even taken a pitch sure. yet yeah. who and to make it worse for them as like much the cliched view of Los Angeles from a distance yes. is they're from LA, totally. they're from Hollywood, exactly. they're from and all it, the things that were on the 100%. who their their LA is, right? Exactly. Yeah. And they're their blue collars fuck out there. Yeah. And I, I look again having like, you know, a love and a passion for, for, for sort of punk ethos, like I respect their protection of just the sort of the purity of what they have in such a small town mm-hmm. that has become global mm-hmm. and their fears around the notion of globalization. Sure. Um, and, I, and I think that is sort of a, this really tricky thing in football where, you know, um, you can have a team that you love so much um, become so globally relevant that it starts to mean as much for people overseas as it does for you and it starts to lose a little bit of that secret and a little bit of that charm um, in your own backyard so um, you know shout out to them for that yeah you know respect much respect I mean on that uh, like how do we how do you you as a person who is on the pulse of the content that we put out as part of um, the love of the culture but also the global culture that's looking at Los Angeles like how do you navigate that with what you what you saw in Dortmund about the preciousness of it, right? Sure. And how, how do you how do you blend the two together? Well, I would even say it's way larger than content. Um, just the notion of creating a unique experience and the, the live experience is, is something really, really important. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, that's why we were there in Dortmund, was to, to see this, this spectacle, right, that is not necessarily happening always on the pitch right. but to see what's going on in the stands mm-hmm. and uh, you know that I think is something that's more easily protectable if you amplify and emphasize what's going on in the live experience and in the stadium because you're not going to be able to experience the same way watching it on TV and so that right there is, I think, you know, again, how do we continue to, to really just make make a better experience? When we say unite the world city through the world's game, uniting that entire, you know, the entirety of like 22,600 people to be, mm-hmm. you know, making noise together, we've seen global examples of it, and I think that's our opportunity. Yeah, man. Do you have a, a favorite? Live experience that a part of the the, the stadium that you're that you you're witnessing that you're documenting that you you kind of always point back to or does that kind of evolve over time with how how big it's getting? Uh, favorite favorite oh like a favorite moment? Yeah, like of the live experience of what we're doing at the bank. Yeah. Oh man, um, the 
I mean, that first goal at home was crazy. Uh, that first goal at home was crazy. I mean, that was, you know, the Simon goal was yeah. was an, an insane moment. It was such a powder keg. <laughs> yeah, you look, you know, hey. He, 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 he did us right by that one, I'll tell you that, yeah. by that moment. Um, Can you talk us just through the, 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 the kind of ins and outs of, like, because we've had Edgar on the pod and just being like, oh, like, I am taking photos in, in the media room right away, editing and doing yeah. all that stuff. Like, yeah. Can you talk us through the, when, what you thought the game was going to become and what it ended up actually being in terms of what you wanted to put out on that day? Sure. Um, well, it's tricky, too, when you're shooting because you don't experience the game. I, I record all the games, and mm-hmm. I go back, and I... Usually, if I'm not watching them on my drive, because I got a long drive, I'm watching them on my way home. Um, I don't watch them and drive at the same time. That's not safe. <laughs> um, but <laughs> the next day, Thank you for uh, that out yeah, there. yeah, put that out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, but I do because when you're looking through a you know 300, 400 millimeter lens, all you see is what's literally happening in that frame and what's happening in that frame is like a medium shot of the player Mm. and you're trying to check track a ball around and you're not really you're not seeing the build-up you're not seeing the missed opportunities you're seeing who's on the ball at the moment um and so but this was a dead ball right you're everything that everything stops everything goes still and i'm on the other side of the pitch framing up behind Mm. So, you know, the proscenium is just like that south end keeper, him lined up. And it was just, it, it, it was like it got wide. All of a sudden, everything widened. And, you know, one of my one of my favorite moments in soccer are those moments, those free kick moments, those crossbar moments. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that wasn't a crossbar moment, but just the notion that, like, the, the split moment where it's either like sheer joy and exhilaration or just like the exact opposite. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Yeah. And everybody's waiting. It's yeah. like, it's almost like, you know, what, what you experience in, and I'm not a huge baseball head, but like what you experience in a baseball game because there's so much start and stop and it's like one yeah, v yeah. one yeah. oftentimes. But just considering it's 90 minutes, go, 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 just like, okay, let's take a moment and see how this unfolds. Yeah. I love that pressure. Yeah, that's I think that's the reason why I love the game so much compared to other sports is because all of it is build up. Yeah. Like it, oh, for sure. Everything until that goal is build up. Yeah. And there's no other sport like that. Like as un-American as it is for me to say like there's too much scoring in basketball so yeah. it's like not fun until totally. the last few minutes of the fourth quarter. Sure. Yep. Um but yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing like that that sound yeah. of a, a stadium erupting yeah. when, like you said, like everything, everyone's anticipating. <sighs> Boom. There's just like there's like this little static in the air, yeah. you know, and it's every, everybody's waiting to like respond a certain way, and they know, and you're just like you could you could seriously feel it. It's crazy. I love that. It's, oh man. <laughs> Anywhere else you want to go with tea time, please? I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> We've kept Marcus for a long time this evening. He brought his books. He showed us things. Yeah. We had conversations off the pod that you guys don't get to know about. But Dick most of talk. All, <laughs> 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 I don't know about all that. But man, thank you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pleasure to be here, and uh, you know, hopefully we can do it again. Yeah, man. Our Shungpur is running dry. And on that note. 
This has been another episode of the FCFC Pod. Whether you liked it or not, we gave it to you. <laughs> See you next week. FCFC. FC, FC. FCFC. 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 FCFC.